Off and running, hour three here of Tiger Tailgating. LSU taking on Texas A&M tonight at 6.30 right here on WWL. In the Iron Bowl, Alabama on top early, 7-0 over Auburn. 6.38 remaining in the first quarter. Also, Michigan and Ohio State. And last check, Michigan was getting their tails handed to them. 62 now to 39, number four Michigan on upset alert. And they've scored, uh, they've battled back here, scoring 20 points in the fourth quarter. Ohio State, though, putting up 21. All right, so it is final, 62-39 now. Yep, Ohio State beats Michigan so the top five, top four playoff picture will change. Let's see if, um, of course, Georgia sitting at five should move up to number four. Notre Dame, number three, taking on USC later this evening. Another change could happen if USC can pull off the upset and mm-hmm. and turn the uh, college football playoff committee selection committee on their ear, so to speak, to rank the uh, final the final ones headed into bowl season. And a lot of bowl projections have LSU perhaps going to the Peach Bowl in Atlanta mm-hmm. or the Sugar Bowl here in New Orleans against Oklahoma. That would be a great matchup. I think, I think the, yeah, the, <laughs> that would be a tough matchup for us, I, I'm going to tell you. With Oklahoma, they put they put up a lot of points, and uh, we'd have to score a lot of points. They don't play any defense, though. They, they, they don't have to play defense, but we, we're not playing offense right now. Right. So, <laughs> so we, we have to get way better on offense in order to stay with them. I'm, they're going to score at least 30 points. So can we score thirty points? I think we can, but um, that would be a good matchup to, to be home and be here at the Sugar Bowl or whatnot. The Peach Bowl would be a good, another great venue for those guys to play. They deserve it. They um they, they played their hearts out this year, so we'll see what they do. Tiger tailgating phone lines are open at five zero four two six zero one eight seventy. Text eight seventy eight seventy. Sam Spiegelman will be in here in about twenty twenty five minutes or so. He's battling the uh, Bayou Classic traffic right now, yeah. uh, and it is uh it is pretty pretty strong down here in the cbd in terms of i love the representation you know you got you got uh grambling and southern and yep. uh, it's a great it's a great one always on uh thanksgiving and look these these games it means a whole lot this is this is hey. grambling and southern this is where hey you can no matter what you've done in the regular season you win this game you got bragging rights yeah this is state divided right down the center right because everybody up north in louisiana is grambling tigers all day long Every, everybody in the southern state uh southern part of the state of louisiana is southern and um and it's two two great um historically black schools that are playing with really great traditions um from the football team down to the band. So um it's it's gonna be pretty something awesome in the dome today at four o'clock because it's gonna be pretty sweet. You know what my, one of my favorite parts about that game though, to be honest with you? The Battle of the Bands. The Battle of the Bands, yeah. Yeah, we we had it Thursday night. We saw it Thursday night in the yep. Saints Falcons game and yep. those those two bands can absolutely jam. <laughs> they they can rock, huh? They can jam. And I, whether you want to go to the football game or not or watch it on TV, uh, what, what have you. But the halftime show, the Battle of the Bands, is something that you should see. It's it's a sight to behold, and 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 it's a it's a sound to behold. You know what's 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 unique about it, and I say unique, but those bands actually give scholarships. Yeah. So you have to be good enough to get a scholarship in order to play, unless you can quote unquote walk on. Yeah. Look, if you're if you're playing an instrument and you and you can. You can jam and, yeah. and you got a chance to go to Southern or Grambling go. to play in their band. Yeah. That that's something that's unique and special, that's for sure. But Absolutely. The uh the Bayou Classic getting underway today at four o'clock in the Superdome and uh man, it, it just kinda timed out perfectly with LSU, I mean with the Saints playing yep, on Thursday, Thursday night mm-hmm. and then uh, the Bayou Classic kind of got their own center stage yep. this weekend because yep. of the Saints Falcons game on Thursday night on Thanksgiving, and uh, mm-hmm. that'll be a fun one. Something that we haven't really talked enough about, I don't think, in the, the first two, two and a half hours we've been on the air. Phone lines are open at 504 260 1870. Text 87870. LSU and Texas AM tonight at 630. Look, the weakness for Texas AM has been their propensity 
to give up splash plays, mm-hmm. explosive plays. Unfortunately for LSU, the explosive <laughs> plays haven't been too uh, too frequent they in the been last too kind to handful us. of games. Right. <laughs> so how can they exploit that, Herb? They're just going to have to make the plays. I mean, I think I think you have to give the guys an opportunity to make those plays. Like I said, I think a Jamar Chase, um, I, I think uh, Terrence Marshall can make those sort of plays. Um, I think D. Anderson can make those sorts of plays. And then I think, um, like I said, if we spread them out and we can gash them and crease them, I think our running backs can make some plays, you know, hit, hit them for 25, 30, 40 yards or maybe even a touchdown for 50 or something like that. But we have to do it, though. We, we, have, to, we have to put ourselves out there and, uh, and, and attempt it. If you don't attempt it, then you, it, it won't ever even come true. So, um, you know, it, it, we've got to get out of this funk. Whatever this funk is that we're in, um, offensively in, in whatever mental block that we have offensively, we have to get get over it and through it so we can perform well because our defense deserves it, man. They've been playing lights out the whole season. And if we can score points and we can put points on the board, that gives us a, a great chance of winning the game. Ooh, Auburn's moving the football. They're inside of the yeah, red inside zone, the inside of yep. Alabama's uh, 20-yard line, man. This is, this is a game that I think Alabama wins. But would not surprise me at all if this is a wire to wire game. Hey man, I'm gonna tell you right now. Look, Alabama's not playing lights out right now. They're playing good enough to win the game, but Auburn's also playing good right now. So we'll see. We've got three long, uh, four long quarters, or three and a half, or whatever it is. But we're there. We'll see. Got a text here at eight seventy eight seventy. Was Calvin Ridley the wide receiver for the Atlanta Falcons? Did he ever play for LSU? No. No, he played for, he Alabama. Played for Alabama. Yeah. Did not play for LSU whatsoever. Speaking of the Saints, real quick. This is the fourth straight game they've led wire to wire yep. in the NFL. Their average margin of victory is now 17 points per game over them. the last seven games. In the NFL, that is it's, it's, it's unheard it's, of. It's unheard of. It's probably unprecedented. You probably won't see another run like this uh, in the NFL mm-hmm. in our lifetime, Herb. Mm-hmm. So that's why you hear Bobby Hebert, and he's so right. They're a machine. They are a machine right, right now. now. And defensively, it, they're only improving. And look, to me, this goes back to last year. We had that one loss mm-hmm. against Minnesota at the very last second of the game, if you will. But before that, we were on a roll. And we came back and we lost against Tampa 48-40 to 40 or whatever it was, first game of the season. And the thing about this season and this team is in the national media is not giving the defense enough credit at all. They, they think that they, they all go back to, I guess, that 2000 and let's call it 13, 14, 15, 16 Saints defense where, you know, they just – just play good enough, just good enough so that Drew Brees can score 30 points and you mm-hmm. win the game. It's not like that anymore. These guys are taking pride in getting sacks. We had six sacks less on Thursday night. That's amazing to me. And like you said, you know, we, we gave up, what, a total of 17 are points? Too. I think we gave up a total of 17 points. 17 points, seven the week before, and 14 the week before against Cincinnati. Now look at this. That um, Atlanta had an opportunity to score at least 40 points in that game, and we yeah. stopped them in the red zone three times with turnovers. So when you when you look at that and then the 17 that they actually scored, they, they, you know, it wasn't – they worked their behinds off to score those points. It wasn't like they were one-play gashes and things like that. Our, this defense is, to me, hands down the best defense in, in the league right now, in my opinion. Opportunistic. Look, they had three – they had three um, – th- four turnovers last week against Atlanta. They yep. had three the week before mm-hmm. against the Eagles. They had two against the Bengals. So it's starting to come in bunches. They're now plus eight for the season. This is what – this is what defenses in the NFL should be measured by. And I know Chicago has a really strong defense. But what matters more importantly than, any, than, scoring, uh, than, than total yards, scoring defense, 
and turnovers, period. Yep. Yep. And rush defense. The Saints are making teams one-dimensional by stopping the run. And, and when you make teams one-dimensional in today's NFL and make them throw, they're going to throw for 300, 330. Who yeah, cares? Yeah, yeah. Here's, and here's the thing, too. There's a, one of the national media guys was saying that the way to beat the New Orleans Saints is by playing in the mud, meaning slow the game down by running the ball. It doesn't matter what you do. First of all, we're the number one run defense in, in the NFL right now. And we can be the number one rush offense in the NFL if we want to be. Yeah. I mean, we got a two-headed monster that's crazy. And then the, our offensive line is the best, hands down, right now in the, in the league. Without a doubt. And they'll be tested next Thursday night against Ezekiel Elliott and the Dallas Cowboys. That's I a good think, offensive line as well. I think they'll rise to the occasion. Because it is a very important game. That's an important game. And that's a rival game. It and is. then this team is getting better and better at the right time, too. Yeah, I, I agree. The Saints are 10-1, uh, yeah. and one, rolling right now, winners of 10 straight. Yep. All right, we'll visit with Mark Passwaters next. Me and Bobby and Deuce caught up with him. Covers Texas A&M for Rivals.com. This is Tiger Delgating here on WWL. Behind Enemy Lines brought to you by Acadian Windows, the official window company of the Houdat Nation. And LSU going to College Station to wrap up the regular season, take on the Aggies. And Mark Passwaters joining us now from Rivals.com covering Texas A&M. Mark, first off, you probably have the coolest name in the profession, man. <laughs> I appreciate it. It's certainly one of the – one of the easier ones to uh, insult if you change a couple letters around, but uh, I'll take it. <laughs> I like it. Rivals.com, Mark Passwater. So LSU, two-and-a-half-point underdogs considering they're, they're nine and two. The Aggies are seven and four. What's your estimation as to why LSU's um, going to be underdogs, besides from just being on the road? Is it because of Kyle Field? Come on, Mark. What, is it Kyle Field or what? Well, I think Kyle Field might have a little bit to do with it because you're probably going to have about 103,000 people there. But, uh, you know, honestly, I think that a lot of it just has to do with the fact that A&M's defense is a lot better, especially against the run, and that has resonated with uh, the people out in Vegas. And, you know, as far as A&M has gone so this year, so far, uh, you know, they've been a bookie's dream. They've, they've, the way that Vegas has seen it is usually the way things have gone. You know, Mark, when I look at that, you bring up the defense, and that's impressive. Because uh, you look at explosive offense, how they spread you out, and you think a lot of times it's to pass, but it's really to run the football. But uh, what they give up, what, 83 yards, basically uh, rushing per game, which is second nationally, but only giving up 10 rushing touchdowns. And I thought it was interesting, though, and, and you would think they'd have more than this, uh, considering, you know, if you're opportunistic and you start against the run, you would punch it out more. But they only have uh, eight takeaways. And then that's what, like 125th out of 129 FBS teams. I, I just thought of face value. I, I, I'm surprised at that, that they don't have more uh, takeaways at this point. Oh, I agree, Bobby, because, uh, you know, you think about it, you know, just the law of averages would dictate that you'd get more than what they've got. And, I mean, two of those uh, turnovers have actually come on special teams. One was last weekend uh, on the opening kickoff against UAB where they picked up a fumble and took it in for a touchdown. And another one was forced by the punter, Brayton Mann. So if that's not enough with a 50-yard average, uh, you know, a guy forces a fumble uh, that actually, your team actually recovers. If you don't win the Ray guy, they ought to stop giving it. But, uh, now, you know, defensively, they played solid football. They just have not forced any turnovers. Now, uh, Mark, uh, a, this could be a game, and uh, I don't know how Aggie fans feel, LSU fans feel like uh, this somewhat. Because they follow the football, say how can all LSU's offensive line play? I think if they play well, that'll help Joe Burrow. But well, what is the fan base at AM when they like Kelly Mond? Is they been up and down? Because they could be uh, who plays better, whether it's Kelly Mond or Joe Burrow. Oh yeah, the fan base has been very hot and cold on Mond. Right now they're hot again because he had a good weekend. 
against a pretty good defense against UAB. And he was good against Ole Miss for the most part. But, uh, you know, it's been a struggle when he's faced some of the better defenses in the in the country. You'll take a look at Alabama. Uh, he was much better running than he was passing. Mississippi State was a problem. Alabama, you know, that interception cost a the game. So, you know, it's really not only which quarterback shows up, but which line shows up because both A&M and LSU have had trouble protecting the quarterback. Both guys, both guys go down about once every 11 uh, dropbacks. And, you know, whoever gets the quarterback the most in this game is probably going to win it. Now, uh, Mark, uh, I know how LSU fans uh, feel about trying to overtake the Crimson Tide and uh, can you get over the hump. Do Aggie fans, and now with the addition of Jimbo Fisher, what they have invested and now they're part of the SEC. Uh, they haven't beaten the Tigers in six tries when they joined the SEC in 2012. Is that somewhat a measuring stick? I, I know, you know, when, when you look at Johnny Menzel and you overtake Alabama, but I know the rivalry between uh, LSU and A&M and the Aggies and recruiting and a lot of people in the college station, uh, you know, Houston area and the oil industry from Louisiana. So what is your take on that? How big is this game? But AM to finally get over the hump to beat LSU, considering they have not beaten them since joining the SEC, a losing six straight times. Oh, it's a big deal because, like you said, you're not going to get to Alabama unless you get past LSU. And this game is essentially for second in the West. So that's a big deal if you take a look at just, you know, things for, you know, purely a confidence standpoint. This is a much different AM team, uh, much more physical team. And that's what you got to be to beat LSU. I think that uh, the failures of Sumlin's bunches to, you know, even be competitive prove that. So if they can go out there and win that game, it's a boost for recruiting. Uh, you do come in second in the West for 2018. And it really does start setting up an honest goodness rivalry instead of A&M being a doormat, you know, for 2019 and beyond. Mark Passwater is covering Texas A&M for Rivals.com. We appreciate the visit. Short and sweet. Have a good turkey day, all right? All right, appreciate it, guys. Mark Passwater's covering Texas A&M earlier in the week. To- covers Texas A&M for Rivals.com. Phone lines are open at 504-260-1870. Text 870-870. Sam Spiegelman is in the house from TigerDetails.com. Sam, how was your Thanksgiving, man? Yeah, right. you hear me. Yeah, yeah the thing cool. that's right in front of you, that's called the microphone. And you use, you speak into it? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Sometimes. Okay, I was going to try to speak into it. You writer, you writers into how to exactly. broadcast, how to use a microphone, you know what I mean? And it's not my first time in the studio. Right? Not, it makes it not. more embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> how hey, was man. Turkey Day, man? Yeah. It was good. It was good. We actually, the first year we didn't have turkey. We oh. had we had ribs, and okay. that was a major improvement on the holiday, I thought. Is that a that's new awesome. tradition in the Spiegelman? Just, just don't make turkey would, would work for me. I mean, turkey is good. It's just it's kind of boring. It's boring. I, I tried to contribute. I tried to make cornbread. and um, Oh, that went oh, straight south. That's uh, south. I used three-year-old expired cornmeal. And, oh, my ooh, God. Y'all remember what, what Play-Doh tastes like? We had, no, we had I never ate Play-Doh, but I can imagine. I remember how it, it smelled. Like, yeah. I remember how it, it smelled. It tastes just like it smells. So Ooh. we had these fantastic <sighs> ribs and Play-Doh cornbread. In some part. So <laughs> you're a great writer, but your culinary skills are not very good. I think I'm a good cook. I, if I, I, don't, I don't like following recipes. I like to cook what I know how to cook. Here's what you do next time. Okay, if you got to go, if you got to make cornbread or something like that, there's these places called like Rouse's. Okay. And they actually make really great cornbread and stuff. And, and even a little, you know, <laughs> stuffing or whatever you want to get. And you can purchase it and bring it home. No one ever knew. So the first thing I learned from you today, Herb, talk into the microphone. You got it. And That's the second one. one is 
Stop trying to reinvent the wheel. Go to Just Rouse's. Go buy it. Buy a pre-made. Hey, man. Look, look cooler. If all else fails, go to Popeye's. That's... <laughs> Man, there's, there's, I'm all there's, about two, there's two shameless <laughs> plugs here. Those are free mentions hey, that man. Herb is dealing out for Rouse's I, and for Popeyes. I wasn't, I wasn't yeah, plugging anybody. No, I'm don't. I just, I'm just telling you where I go. I'm, I apologize. The hot no, bar Rouse's right. second hey, to none. Hey, second to none. I agree. 100%. Donnie Rouse. Any moment, I'm going to get a text from Marcy Nathan or Donnie Rouse going, "Hey, keep it up. You guys can talk about Rouse's for the next hour if you'd like." <laughs> and look, to be honest with they you, they are great. If They're I can greatest. expand, if I can throw, expand, throw some gift cards our way. Yes. I, I think you you could talk about Rouse's for about an hour. To you be can. With you, you can. You can go All over every department. Over there. Man, every department is great. But Sam, anyway. LSU and Texas A&M, a huge opportunity for the Tigers to get to 10 wins and, and surpass expectations against the Aggies. This won't, be, uh, this won't be an easy one today, though, in College Station. No, I think Texas A&M is a team that's better than their record. I think Jimbo Fisher is a fantastic head coach, one of the best in college football, and I think he's already put his stamp on this Texas A&M program. Um, number two in the nation in rush defense. Their their pass defense is questionable, but they're a physical football team. This is not the Kevin Sumlin Aggies. This is a whole different team that, that LSU is contending with on the final Saturday of the regular season. Sam Spiegelman, TigerDetails.com. He'll be with us for the next hour here as we uh, cruise on into the 430 handoff to the LSU Sports Radio Network. This is Tiger Tailgating here on WWL. Just got a great text from Jimmy Smith of TigerDetails.com. What's Jimmy talking about now, man? He's, 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 uh, he's unloading on, um, on Sam oh, here. Sam. A, a Yankee cooking cornbread? Oh. <laughs> you know, Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy, tell, tell him what you got to tell Come him. Come on, get no, after him. I, no, I love Jimmy. That's my man. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. Yeah, um, well, look, Jimmy is, uh, when he if you know Jimmy well, if he's got a chance to take a shot, He's going to take a shot or two. That's just the way he is. Always. That's why I love him because my personality is so similar to his. That if I got a chance to take a shot at you or a jab, I'm going to. And he, and he calls the shots, which, which makes us love him even more. There you go. Sam Spiegelman of TigerDetails.com. Great stuff on the site, uh, TigerDetails.com. It is a, a subscription site, but it's certainly worth it. They got all kinds of recruiting information up there, um, inside stuff that you probably won't get anywhere else. Also breakdowns on the game, in, in particular LSU and Texas A&M. Look at breaking down this matchup, and Herb and I have talked about it. I want your insight on it. The Aggies are favored here, and you said it. This is not your typical uh, Kevin Sumlin Aggie team. This is a much more physical group uh, for Texas A&M. Why are they favored by three and a half points? I think it's home field. I think if this game was in Tiger Stadium, LSU would be the favorite, um, and I would feel more confident picking LSU if it was in Tiger Stadium. You also have to look. This is not the same LSU football team that beat up on Miami, that won in Jordan Hare. Mm-hmm you know, kind of controlled everything in the first half of the season. Besides the Rice game, this offense has been stagnant. Um, obviously, zero points against Alabama, three points, uh, 19 points against Mississippi State. They haven't surpassed 30 with the exception of Rice in, in mm-hmm. a couple of weeks. They could, to beat A&M, you need to throw the football. Their, their secondary is, is abysmal. They, that's why they're going to bring in a fantastic recruiting class because these corners can come in and play right away because – I mean, we have a Warren Easton kid in that secondary. Mm-hmm. I love lefty. They need a lot of help in the secondary, though, besides him. Do you, does anyone in this room have a lot of confidence that Joe Burrow is just all of a sudden going <laughs> to sling it around? And ju- more adding insult to injury, Justin Jefferson is questionable. Yep. Um, I probably expect him to play, but if he's not at 100%, he's clearly the best receiver. You, you know that Jamar Chase, Terrace Marshall can come in and have an effect, but they're freshmen, so it's a lot to put on their plate. Um, Stephon Sullivan, DeAnderson have been up and down all year. They have mm-hmm. their moments, and then they kind of disappear for long stretches of time. We'll see. They have they're going to have their opportunities to throw the ball downfield. I don't 
fully believe it because we just haven't seen it in, in a couple of weeks. Good day for the local schools so far. Tulane becoming bowl eligible 29-28. They prevail over Navy. And right now in the FCS playoffs, how about Nickel State 14-7 over San Diego, man? Once again, Sam, we're, we're a Tiger tailgating show primarily talking about LSU. Yep. But we, we try to sprinkle in as, as much love as we can for a lot of the schools, or a lot of states in this school. And that would be a big win for Nichols State to beat them in the FCC, FCS playoffs. And it's a big win for Tulane to get into the uh, – in, in, become bowl eligible for the first time since, what, 2015. That's, yeah. that's huge for that's that. That's huge for, for Tulane, program. man. I'm, I'm going wave all day today, man. I'm, I'm loving it. I, I think I said it last week. I mean, Willie Fritz is doing a phenomenal job with that program. And I'm like, like Jimmy pointed out, I'm a Yankee, but – is Chase Forcade the best quarterback that Nichols has ever had? Is that is that that's what it looks like. the moment? I think that's a fair statement. I agree. You you, you covered him in high school. Absolutely. W- 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 describe describe for somebody that hasn't seen him. It this is an obvious comparison, but like the Johnny Manziel, Baker Mayfield, because he's not overly big, but he he plays as well as you can for his size. I mean, he can throw it accurately on the run. The ability to bootleg was always his specialty at Rummel. Yep. Um, and I mean, if you can get Jay Roth on here and he will talk about Chase Forcade for, for an hour because yeah. there's so many positive things to say about the work ethic and the, the hard work behind the scenes that we don't see, but the way he commands that offense, he came in and, and made an impact as a true freshman and he's just continuing that. And I think Nichols quietly does a really good job of finding those kind of great high school players in the state and most more specifically in the New Orleans metro area that are overlooked, that are, they're overlooked because they're not six foot tall. Like, you know, Chase is a short guy. I was surprised and I was happy because my alma mater, Maryland, offered him late in the recruiting cycle in 2016, mm-hmm. and I was just hoping he wouldn't go to Maryland because I didn't want to see him buried on a depth chart in the Big Ten. Right, and never get a chance to play. But Nichols gave him that stage, and I think he's probably doing more at Nichols than he ever could have at Maryland, and mm-hmm. it's it's just so rewarding to see him continue to thir- to flourish at at Nichols. Look, you got tip your cap to uh, to Coach Rebo as well down there in Nichols. He's put together. I know he's making a strong run for Andrew Robinson as well. I know he, I know he's very interested in Andrew Robinson, the Hanville High School quarterback. We all know the, the story there. But I talked to Coach Rebo a couple weeks back, and they were there trying to get on the Zachary quarterback uh, and Andrew at the same time. But <laughs> I, you know, I don't think you're going to get the Zachary quarterback uh, at Nichols Bay if they do. Um, yeah, that, that's another big get for yep. that program. But right Wouldn't, now, the Colonels are on very, top fourteen to seven. Wouldn't it be very similar to kind of getting a Chase four K, one mm-hmm. of these undersized, but just yeah, you know, best high school quarterback, probably you know, just a pure quarterback yep. in the state. Yep. Yeah, you talking about Robinson? Yeah, yeah. yeah for, as far as I heard Jimmy say, I it's agree a lock. With I think he's well. I think Andrew Robinson is in terms of pure passers. That's your absolutely, guy. and that, he's not the, he's not the, the athlete. But he's the pure passer. If you if you're if you're just looking at quarterbacks that are dropping back, looking to throw the ball accurate, yep. to get the ball down the field, has the arm strength. That's the dude. That's for sure. Tiger tailgating here. Sam Spiegelman, Herb Tyler, Christian Garrick. Phone lines are open at 504-260-1870. Text eight seventy eight seventy right now. Alabama on top of Auburn in the Iron Bowl, fourteen to seven, and starting to assert themselves a little bit. Also, Ohio State took down number four Michigan, sixty two to thirty nine. Sam, are you surprised by that? No. Um, you know, besides Alabama and maybe including Alabama, Ohio State probably has the most talent on that roster. Yeah. I think watching watching them play Maryland last week, everyone saw Urban Meyer's frustration. It looked like he was having his, his spleen removed on the sideline <laughs> in College Park, but um, you, you knew that they were going to come out firing against Michigan. I think Michigan is a really good team, and I think they have a great defense. Yep. 
But if they're going to get into a shooting match with Ohio State, they're never going to be able to keep up. That's just the way that Ohio State is built to score and score quickly. And we saw that today. And the thing about Michigan is I don't think that they're built to do anything but what we saw today. That, that, that's the, the, the pinnacle as to how far they're going to get. They're going to be a 10-2 and two team every year. I just don't. I just don't see them being any better than that. They're they're kind of like the Jaguars were a year ago in the NFL. They're a team that once you get on top, seven fourteen nothing. Yeah. Play defense, mm-hmm. run the football, control the clock. Old school football. Old school football. That's what Jim Harbaugh does yeah. from Stanford to the 49ers. Yeah. He doesn't reinvent yeah. the wheel on no. offense, and that's just not going to win you games against a talented team like Ohio State. No, my thing is the offensive team. You always just period in football, especially in football. Um, I think you got to get up, get up early, and go, and continue to keep your foot on the pedal and not look back. I don't care if you know if people think that you're running the score up. That's not the point. The point is I have to score more points than you. And I don't want to score just one more than you. I have to make sure that I have a safe lead, that I can, you know, and, and also continue to play defense, but I still want to score points and get touchdowns on the board. And the best team in the country is Alabama. They can run it down your throat, yep. you know, in traditional Nick Saban style, or Tua can drop back and, and slice you up in the secondary. They can they can win and score points in multiple ways, which why, which is why they're the best team in the country. It yeah. doesn't look like anyone can stop them. Sam, when we come back, I want to get your thoughts. You just, you just said it right there. Herb and I were fielding a call from a – a disgruntled LSU fan uh, about Alabama, et cetera. Well, he was upset. Yeah, and, and we just flat out said nobody's beating Alabama anyway. Nor uh, aside from an NFL team, nobody in college football is is beating that team. No, um, you know the Cleveland Browns could beat them. Um, you want to match them up, you know, or right. what's the worst team in the NFL? The the Forty Niners. Forty Niners. They, they. I don't know. I'm a Jets fan. I don't know if they could beat Alabama. No. But, um, look, every <laughs> every team, team in the NFL, NFL can beat maybe Alabama. Sa- maybe with Sam Darnold. Um, I don't know about Josh McCown, but no, their they their roster is littered with with future draft picks. Tua is the best college football quarterback I've ever seen up close. Um, you look at that stable of running backs. Najee Harris isn't even the starting running right. back, and he's the most talented guy in the backfield. Their their trio of receivers, uh, Rugs, Judy, and Devontae Smith from right here, and they meet. That's as that's an NFL group of wide receivers, and then on defense, the same goes. Dylan Moses. Isaiah Bugs, all those Louisiana kids, Shaheem Carter, Pat Sertan Jr. These are guys that are going to be playing in the NFL. And not only do they have the talent, like we just talked about Ohio State having all that talent, they're coached so well and they are so disciplined. And they don't – Alabama it's, got caught sleeping for the crazy. first time being tied with the Citadel 10-10. Right. Yeah, at halftime, and I'm whatever. sure Nick Saban did not have a lot of nice things to say in the locker room at that halftime speech. And they haven't looked back since, and we're seeing that in the Iron Bowl right now. He really did have a lot, a lot of nice things to say in the halftime. That's why they went up and did what they did. 14-7. Alabama's going in for more. They're inside the uh, t- red yeah. zone once again of Auburn. They lead right now. 10-31 remaining in the first half. The Tide on top of Auburn, 14-7. to Sam Spiegelman, Herb, Tyler, Christian Garrick, Tiger, tailgating here on WWL. Talking plenty LSU, talking plenty college football in general, showing some love to the local schools, in particular Tulane today, becoming bowl eligible, 29-28 over Navy. Herb loves the decision from Coach Willie Fritz to go for go for two there towards the end of the ball game. Go go play for the win. You got nothing to lose, man. I right. mean, let's go. You're becoming bowl eligible. But you know what you have? You have something to win. You That's know what right. I'm saying? You become bowl eligible. I like it. Right now, Nichols stayed on top of San Diego, 21 to seven, in the Southland Conference in the uh, FCS playoff. Scott Sidwell joining us now, and of course, uh, the athletic director over there uh, for the San Francisco Dons. And Scott, you're down there in Thibodeau right now. It's a great scene, I'm sure, with the Colonels on top by 14. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been all Colonel so far, Christian. It's uh, it's been a great atmosphere, a great tailgating all day, and uh, people are, are Thibodeau are pretty excited. It's been uh, 
a series of long runs by the Cardinals. Uh, San Diego has not been able to get them stopped. And, but San Diego has kind of kept himself in the game by, uh, you know, great, great special teams play a long, couple of long kickoff returns. And then uh, they've been passing the ball pretty good. So, that uh, you know, San Diego's got the ball about the 30 and uh, just starting the second quarter here. How how has um, Chase 4K looked? Chase has done well. He's thrown the ball well. He actually had about a 30-yard TV run, tucked it and ran and, and got it in there. So, uh, the Colonels are playing well. They, they should get this one. What, uh, what brought you down to Thibodeau? Well, I've got family here. My wife's family is from Destrehan, and so we're here down here. And then uh, Kim Rebo, the head coach at Nichols, is one of my best friends, and my father, my uh, my son's godfather. And so, hey, it worked out great for us. We're able to get a, a triple header of uh, Saints on Thursday, the Destrehan Wildcats on Friday, and the Colonels on Saturday. Not much better than that. Yeah, you, you're you're kind of triple dipping, if you will. Um, that's a good that's a good environment. Look, Coach Rebo, just I know he's he's your close friend, but just talk about the job he's done though down there in Nichols. I mean, I think that this is a a big moment for that program being in the FCS playoffs uh, and, and what he's got coming ahead. And he's done a great job recruiting down there and and getting talent. Well, you know what, he's really recognized what fits here. You know, and if you take a look at you know the the roster, you know, for Nichols, I think there's. You know, upwards of 70 guys in the roster, 75 guys in the roster, and, and they've, you know, all, all but two or three of them are from outside the region. So he's gone up and down the bayou in New Orleans and, and really used his connections as a great recruiter to, to build this program. And that's that's the heart and soul of this community. It's about the locals and it's about folks who understand who they are, and he's one of them and a Destry head boy himself. So, um, you know, I think I think he really understood what, what it took here to win, and he's been doing it. We're really proud of him for, for what all that he's done here for Dickens. Scott Sidwell, the athletic director for the San Francisco Dons. And, of course, if the name sounds familiar, yeah, it's Steve Sidwell's son, former uh, defensive coordinator for that Dome Patrol, that vaunted Dome Patrol defense of the New Orleans Saints. Scott, we'll let you go back. And uh, thanks for the update, 21-7. to 7, The Colonels lead over the, the Terriers. Okay, guys, take care. All right, you bet. There he goes. Look, by the way, genuinely good guy right there. Yeah. Good good dude right there. And, look, he's, he's really tied in. To the uh, college baseball, um, you know, World Series, not World Series component. It's escaping me right now. I'm kind of ashamed to admit it. That the, the, not the college World Series, the, 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 the NCAA baseball tournament. Right. So he, he's tied into that. And I know a couple of years ago he was the chairman of that that committee. And um, obviously being an athletic director, and he and I were going back and forth a couple of years ago when LSU was was uh, was making a run to the college World Series. Are they going to be a top eight national seed? And um, he was he was really good about just once it came out providing and explaining that stuff. And I know he's a big baseball guy. He does a great job in general. And I, I love uh, Scott and certainly appreciate Steve, his father, for the things he was able to do for yeah, that, that Saints defense. That Dome Patrol was pretty disgusting. We'll step away and come back here on uh, Tiger Tailgating. Sam, Herb, and Christian here on WWL. Tiger Tailgating rolls on here. At 4.30, we'll hand things off to the LSU Sports Radio Network for the official Tiger pregame show. Getting you set for LSU and Texas A&M at 6.30 right now in the Iron Bowl. Alabama leads Auburn 17 to 7 with 6:57 remaining in the first half of that ball game and Auburn is facing a third and 7 a spot you do not want to be in no. against Alabama but they did not oh, convert and it was there no surprise. too it, it was, was there. there but the pressure right up the middle that's what that's what did it well, for Jared Well you know Stenner. you get on your, your fifth step and you throw the ball away it's belongs where the receiver's supposed to be not out of bounds with uh with Jefferson out with Justin Jefferson potentially being out Sam um Chase uh Lamar Chase at wide receiver got Giles as well who Who's going to be the guy that has to step up, or who who is capable of stepping up if Jefferson can't play? What I'd like to see is someone like Jamar Chase or Terrace Marshall step up. I think that even though they're freshmen, they have the two highest ceilings of any receivers on that team. Mm-hmm. 
I think that obviously guys like Stefan Sullivan and D Anderson are great on the outside and they're they're big targets that could make big plays downfield against the inferior secondary. Derek Dillon has really taken over in the slot for Jonathan Giles. Yep. And he's quietly really put together a fantastic a nice junior season. year. He did. Um, I think it's it's one of the biggest differences that I've noticed because we're all kind of sitting there waiting for Giles to act like the number seven. And it's, it's just not, not going to happen. happen. <laughs> it ain't going to happen. But Derek Dillon has quietly been a safety blanket for, for Joe Burrow. Um, but if you're going to talk about someone replacing the number one target for Joe Burrow, I look no further than the two freshmen. Um, I do too. Terrace Marshall, his recruitment came down to LSU and A&M, and that was, earned, that was under Kevin Sublin. And then Jimbo Fisher made a hard push when he took over the job last December. So he would have a lot to prove, and that'd be a nice story if Terrace were to step in for Justin Jefferson or at least play a nice number two receiver opposite him. But Jamar Chase has probably shown that he's got the best chemistry with Joe Burrow, even though he tends to fall out at the one-yard line every single time. Right. He is the most dangerous receiver, at least among the freshmen, at least I, I think right now. I agree. I think I think we've tried to force the ball to Sullivan and De Anderson a little too much and try to really overemphasize those guys. When <clears throat> And while doing that, you're leaving behind – the fact that Terrence Marshall and Jamar Chase could have collectively had a really good season. Yeah. And we didn't give them opportunity to. Joe has spoken about the fact that he likes Stefan and D because they're just you're six four and six five. And yeah. it, it makes yeah. an easy target and, and that might come into play. But they've tonight. dropped too many balls in my opinion. Right. They like Stefan and, and D both have come up with incredible catches and clutch moments throughout the year. And then they've disappeared for two for a quarter and a half and you're you're kind of waiting for them to go back or continue to kind of develop a rhythm, and it just hasn't materialized at any point this season. And if that's the case, you're in your regular season finale, and you're looking for help at receiver consistency, probably first and foremost. I say it's time to bring in the freshmen, and you know what they're capable of, and they're they're learning on the job, but that's your future right there. Sam, I'm curious to know your take on this. Um, me and me and Herb were talking about this. We got a text earlier saying, you know, yeah, Coach O has proven that he can he can bring home the bacon on the recruiting trail. You're all over this as well and it's all it has been for a while at LSU not the procurement of talent but the development of the talent right have any recruits expressed any concern about that like being developed properly at LSU here recently under coach O and this current coaching staff no no I, that that hasn't been the case and and honestly you know the it's the same situation you know offensively speaking where receivers kind of hesitate about being featured in the offense but there's a lot of confidence between Jerry Sullivan Mickey Joseph and and really Coach Ensminger. So Coach Ensminger takes a ton of slack on our board, and I understand that the offense has struggled in recent weeks, and and no one's denying that. But the way he the way he coaches with his players and and does feature them at different times, and we've seen it in bits and pieces, not consistently, but in bits and pieces, where Jamar Chase, a true freshman, is making goal line catches and, and right. red zone plays, and Terrace Marshall had a couple of huge catches in the Georgia win. Um, different to- different spurts, it's. There's a growing confidence that things are heading in the right direction, and that's because of Ensminger's offense. And I think that they can continue to facilitate that that thought. As as if, if a different receiver was featured today, that would go a long way on the recruiting trail for, you know, a prospective receiver like a Devonte Lee or Trey Palmer, who's on his way to LSU. Say that they they feature different guys in different situations, kind of how they featured Racy McMath for a couple of games, or they featured D Anderson for a couple of games. I you know what I think I think that fans are looking at the Oklahomas, um, the Clemsons, um, you know, these teams that are throwing the ball all over the place and everybody's catching balls and the quarterbacks are throwing for four, three, 500 yards passing and they're always, you know, in, in the Heisman hunt. 
or whatever. And the fans say, why can't we be that? Why can't we have an offense and or a quarterback that can do the same thing as these guys are doing? And then you turn around the TV and you see Nick Saban's doing what he's doing now. A guy who has transcended his whole offensive thought process into what the Clemsons, the uh, the Texas A&Ms were doing to him and beating him. So, and so, and so the fans are looking at ourselves and saying, "Why can't we do the same thing?" And I think the difference is, I think Coach Ensminger has a, a, a almost a similar style of offense like that, but the problem is we just not have developed anybody. To, to get to that point. And Steve hadn't been in the job long enough in order to be able to develop someone. Our, our starting quarterback this year came on campus a month and a half before the season started. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and that's and to, to his to his credit, he's done a decent job of getting us to where no, we are. No, I agree. But look, Oklahoma gets a lot of attention because they score points. points. They're entertaining, right? But they don't right. play defense. In the SEC, you're not going anywhere if you don't play defense. It's the way the conference is, is structured. And, and you're right. And I'm not talking defense. I'm only talking solely offense. Right. I know. But if LSU fans want an Oklahoma style of, of team, well, I think they would be really angry when they find out that they can't stop a nosebleed. Right. They, they're just that. That's well, that that conference in general. They want that Oklahoma style of offense. That, and the I don't defense, think. I don't think it. that scheme translates to the SEC. So SEC. I agree. I will roll on here on Tiger Tailgating.